This is Whitley Strieber, and this is Dreamland. You've reached the edge of the world. Welcome to Dreamland. We've got a lovely show today. We spend a lot of time talking about the scary aspects of the visitors and the dangerous part of this experience and people having hard times, etc. Not everybody's in that space. In fact, a lot of you are not in that space. I'm in it and out of it. I'm in all the spaces. <laughs> I've had all of it happen to me, and which is fine. Uh, but today we've got someone who's been a guest on the show before. He's written a delightful book about the universe. It is called The Universe Loves You. Very different vision from what we've heard a lot recently. Have you ever wondered about intelligent life? Do you want to communicate? Do you believe that the universe is a friendly and loving place that wants you to help you grow and evolve? That's the blurb on Amazon for John Martin's new book, The Universe Loves You. John Martin's been on Dreamland recently, and it was a lovely experience in part because he's a wonderful guitarist, a wonderful classical guitarist. He's a great raconteur, and he has lots of contact, and it has grown and developed. And it seems to me, as John, if I may ask you this, as I can find the stream, there we are. Um, okay, welcome to the show, John. Hey, Whitley, it's a pleasure to be here today. Well, it's a pleasure to have you back. And with your new book, The Universe Loves You, it's such a, uh, it, it gave me a real lift. And incidentally, folks, I can't obviously review the book on Amazon. I mean, that's out. Uh, I don't, I can't do that. And, but you can, if you read it, if you buy it and you like it and you read it, do, do give them a review. Uh, and because um, uh, that helps a lot on Amazon. In any case, uh, John, you decide to write a book. You've been doing this now for how many years? It's been 10 years now. 10 years. And tell us exactly what you do, what it is that you do. Uh, as you said, I'm a classically trained guitarist, and <clears throat> I've been playing guitar for over 50 years now. And um, I've played for many people from uh, school children to family to uh, corporate events to presidents. And I've decided to include our, our star family. Uh, and what I did was uh, I had dinner with President Carter and he spoke of UFOs. And, and uh, it was a lovely dinner in Spain that we discussed last time. And I just felt like uh, between that and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, where you use music as a communication tool, I thought I'd go out on my deck and perform this music that I've played my whole life into the universe. And I just felt it was important to wrap the experience in love and positive thought and send it deep into the universe. And I didn't know how to do it, but I did it anyway. And <laughs> That's the human condition, boy. Don't know how to do it, but do it anyway. That was practically Anne's lifestyle. Go ahead. Oh, that makes me very happy to hear that. But yeah. absolutely, just try new things. That's that's one of the main things that that I like to share. Is you know, people say try is 
a half measure, but it's not. It's a stretching of who you are. And so try something new. And that's what I did. And Whitley, within two or three sessions of uh, me doing this with this attitude of uh, sending out positive thought and love and then send it deep throughout the universe and through all the dimensions. And it it uh, resonated uh, with the universe and this beautiful purple plasma craft with a pink ring around bottom third of the bell came over my home. Uh, I was walking my dog. Uh, I just finished playing and I walked back in to the neighborhood and it was sitting directly over our home. And I ran in and got Karen and all the alarms in the house were going off. And that was Karen is your wife. Yes. Yeah. And uh, she came out and uh, she was in a robe and <laughs> she was just sitting there staring at the She said, what is that? And it was had this beautiful feminine energy to it. Whitley. It was silent about 50 feet above our home. Now, we live in a row of townhomes here in Sandy Springs, and it was directly over our uh, our townhome. And then it just slowly went away about five miles an hour and left. And I had my camera, as, as I told you, and it, I couldn't get it to come out of sleep mode. And as soon as it passed the tree line, it popped up. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, you were... You were being you were being summoned and responded to, but uh, things are not going to go as quickly. They're very careful. They are, they are absolutely careful. Well, let, before we go on, though, let's go back to Jimmy Carter. And I know we talked talked a little bit about Jimmy Carter in the last show, but after that show, I got some commentary that after he was briefed, Jimmy Carter had wept. Uh, after he was briefed about UFOs, he was, you know, he went into office saying he was going to tell the whole story and find out what the government knew. And he, and then he came out of office. And when Stanton Friedman asked him about them, he said, I won't, I, I won't talk about them. And yet, but you had a very different experience. What was your experience with Jimmy Carter and talking about this subject? He's such a, a deep thinker, Whitley. I mean, you can discuss any subject we talked about, uh, the different wines that he loved and books that were very deeply important to him, art and music. And the person next to me asked him first if he could call him Jimmy and then asked about his UFO experiences. And we were all kind of horrified. I said, oh, man, you know, I'd never call. I'm always calling President Carter. But he said, yeah, you can call me Jimmy. And and uh, it was in the 60s. He just went right into the story that he was. Uh, outside a Lions Club meeting that he was going to give a speech at. And there was this incredible uh, energy up in the sky. It came towards them and then it receded. He said, I couldn't explain it. And it was nothing conventional. And it was just an absolutely amazing experience. So he was very open. And in the book, I actually wrote to President Carter about my UFO experiences. I felt, you know, he is getting towards the very end of his life now. And I wanted to share that with him while he's still here. And he wrote a lovely note back and it's, it's within the book itself. And uh, he said, thank you for the CD and the, this wonderful narrative. And uh, that was just great inspiration to me, Whitley. And that's, that's really propelled me forward. And, and uh, in my journey here, I actually, recently just made a, a special CD. I've made many CDs for President Carter and I send them to him and I 
I got a letter saying, hey, I'm enjoying your CD on my iPod, which I thought was cool. So yeah. he's actually in hospice now. And so I made a special CD for him and sent it to the Carter Center and they forwarded it down to Plains and I got a lovely note pack. So I'm hoping he's enjoying some some music now. Yeah. That's just beautiful. Um, you know, you have a, you have a, you're a very interesting man. You have a, a lot of, of just openness and respect for people in general. Uh, you're not, you're not generally unkind to people. Uh, you have that, you have a, a, a very positive attitude. You go into a relationship expecting it to work. Absolutely right. Yeah, right. because I've had, I've had many things that have gone sideways in my life that, and you learn from each of those. And, um, you know, I try to bring my very best to everything I do. And, you know, I was the editor of a guitar magazine out of Italy. I loved that job. And, I, you know, I interacted with some of the greatest musicians in the world. I would put out a magazine with a CD and I'd make uh, an enhanced CD with videos in them. And, and so that's kind of carrying the age of the book. I wanted to make it very interactive. There's hyperlinks where you can go online and, and it bolsters the narrative. And that's what I felt. I really wanted to do with this book that I've just written. Yeah, folks, uh, we're getting a little bit of breakup. There's been a lot of problems with this in the last few weeks because we were recording this during an extraordinary heat wave and uh, the, the planet wide. And this is apparently affecting communications to a degree. So I apologize for that. We're just going to work through it as best we can. Um, now the, so you have, you, you, you take a different attitude. Let me, let me ask you this. I, there's plenty of evidence that the military has had a truly horrible time with this, that they've been shooter, they've shot at them and they've gotten shot at back and it's really been nasty. And, um, they, the Air Force is, to put it mildly, up in arms about this whole disclosure process and mm -hmm. doing everything they can to derail it from behind the scenes, threatening and intimidating people. There's going to be a hearing. Or, this is Tuesday, uh, the 25th of July, on the 27th of July. And some of the witnesses that were going to appear at that hearing have been intimidated by being subjected to eight hour long interrogations within the Pentagon prior, uh, simply because they agreed to be in this program and on the, with the Congress. And uh, this is totally illegal, but it is so important to the insiders to keep this secret that they are willing to to disobey the law in order to do so op almost openly disobey the law and certainly openly as far as congress is concerned because congress congressmen involved know all about what's going on behind the scenes sure. right now there were supposed to be six witnesses at the hearing right now there are only three and they're witnesses who are already well known to the public We'll see what happens because as I speak, there's a lot of maneuvering going on back behind the scenes.
But what is this about, John, in your opinion? And I'm just asking here because you can't. You're not an insider. You can't know. But you're like most of us in the experiencer movement and groups. You're more of an insider than anyone in the military could ever be. Because it's one thing to be shooting at someone and another thing to be loving on them. There's a difference. That's right. So what is your opinion here of how might we somehow build a bridge instead of widening the gap? Well, you know, it goes very far back in my family. And as I discovered in your family as well, um, yeah, yeah. You know, my dad was an aeronautical engineer with Lockheed and I was taken in. Uh, I, I, am, I feel sure to become a part of this program that uh, you told me that you were in and that scuttled my father's very important career because he chose not to have me included. And so, uh, you know, I've seen that aspect of it and, you know, I, I see them as I think, as you said, they reflect back what we give to them. So if you're violent and if, if you are aggressive, they can match that very easily. If you're loving and, and caring and, uh, you know, you bring your best energies, they are more than happy and willing to do that. And that's really all I've seen because that's what I project. And, I, you know, I think the military can learn from us that, you know, if you want good results, you need to treat them as you would treat your own family because that's who they really are. Let's take a little break right now uh, for the free side of the show. Um, we'll be right back. My new book, Them, has now been out since March of 2023. I would like to thank everyone for the wonderful reception. Those who have read it, who have posted thoughtful reviews on Amazon, those who have listened. It's an important book for me and also... Over the months, it has become a very strange book because if you listen to the Oversight Committee UAP hearings, you will hear David Grush saying things that almost sound like they were taken right out of the second part of them. And I thought to myself, how did I do that? And the answer is I have no idea. But the book is really very prophetic. And I think you should read it if you hadn't done so. And that's what this is all about. Read it, listen to it. It's really worth your time. Jacques Vallée certainly thought so. Mitch Horowitz thought so. Jeff Kripal thought so. Leslie Kane, Diana Pasolka, and all of the others who gave it blurbs thought so. And so do an awful lot of people who have reviewed it. So pick up a copy today. Go to Amazon and get a copy. Go to Audible and get the audio book. Listen to them. Read them. It's a whole new vision of how we should think about the close encounter experience. And this is getting more and more important over time. More and more important. Them. I saw the future when I was writing that book. Didn't know I would, but I did. You can read it now and see for yourself. We're talking to John Martin. His new book, 
the universe loves you. If you love it, review it on Amazon. Uh, John, where can we find you on the internet? Because there's quite a few places, but primarily. Yeah. Uh, I, my main site is YouTube, John Martin UFO and ET Intelligences. And I have over 200 compilation videos um, posted there from the last, uh, I guess, three or four years now. Uh, you know, I've had many experiences going back 10 years, but I actively started uh, filming about three or four years ago. And that was a process of trying to learn how to do it, the equipment that I needed, how best to do it. I, you have to, I asked permission first, of course, and they agreed to let me do that. And they've, they've just been spectacular, Whitley, and on our interactions. I feel it's beyond a CE5. This is a CE6 where we both bring our best energies to this and it's interactive. And um, to me, that's the next level of where, uh, where this is going to go. And it's to me, I'm just a point on the curve for me. You know, I, I expect the next few years to be um, places where I can't even imagine right now. And I'm very open to the experience and, and to the possibilities. And, and that's, you know, that's where I'm at. So, you know, when we have an agreement, there's a little park right next door. Uh, you know, I still play on my deck and, and Whitley, I've played on my deck for years, you know, for many years, but never with a specific intent of projecting while I play. And I think that's something that can translate to everyone is, you know, I share the very best of who I am. So in the, in the book, I, you know, I go into detail on how you can do it yourself. That's the important part. This is why you're here and why I picked up on you as soon as you, I, I, I forget how I found you uh, because of. Uh, it was Scott Katamas's show. Oh, that's right. Scott Katamas's show. Mm -hmm. And um, a lovely, lovely guy, Scott Katamas. And, um, I, because my brief is to make contact work. That's what I'm doing. That's what I'm here for. And I thought to myself, here's a guy who's actually doing this. He's making contact work. And there were a few others around, Melinda Leslie, of course, in Sedona, um, who has been doing this in her own very different way for years, successfully, but not quite like you. Because there's, she basically goes out to to look for and hopes to see objects in the sky and takes tours, and she they usually do. That the visitors are very accommodating. They're also very plentiful. There's a lot of them out there, and uh, but you do a different thing entirely. This projecting, what? How does that work inside you? What? Because if we could learn to do that there could be a lot of projecting going on around here in this world. And uh, frankly, a lot of people, you know, you're doing it, a few others are doing it, but this particular type of projecting, which you get into in the book very beautifully. That's why I, one of the reasons I wrote a forward to the book, by the way, folks, uh, tell us about the projecting. And Whitley, I'm so grateful for your beautiful forward in my book that, that just warmed my heart and, and thank oh, you so thank much. You. Thank you. Um, I treat them as family 
And so when I go outside, I speak with them. You know, they can't, uh, they're, they're not physically there, but they hear me. And I tell them, you know, things that, that uh, are going on in my life recently. I had some serious health issues uh, driven from COVID and I had two major surgeries. And I spoke with them about that. And Whitley, they were just, I mean, there's some videos that I've presented to you for uh, for this, uh, and you can share them any way that you wish. But they, uh, I mean, they came down to treetop level. They they cross in front of aircraft, and and you know they send this beautiful, incredible energy. And um, so what I do is I when I when I go outside, you know, I as soon as I walk out the door, I look up and I thank them for always be in there for me and you know i send my love to them and they send their love to me and it's it's just a, a beautiful experience and and it's so easy that's the thing it's not convoluted it's not uh, it doesn't take hours of meditation or ritual or anything like that what no they, it doesn't they want to know who you are who you are and share what's important to you share what what really resonates within your own spirit and project that and just realize that that we have that innate ability to connect way beyond the locality of of where we are now it goes deep far to you know that entanglement where you're here doing it and you're also on the other end of the universe doing it and all points in between and all dimensions and so I, that's what i see is just this multi-layered uh ability and just boom just send it out and it's it's instantaneous and they recognize that and they come back they're here and uh and it's really that simple now when you were ill one of the things everyone is going to want to know is did they offer you or help you at all in terms of a cure now I'm using that word specifically, not healing, because healing is different from cure. Healing is a, is supportive and accept its its acceptance. Like Annie was healed of her illness, but she did not get cured of the brain tumor. She was healed of the of the struggle and accepted her situation and died a beautiful conscious death. Um, and so did they offer you any kind of cure? Did they help you medically at all? That's the first part I'll ask. Well, and, and I will say mine was not a disease. Mine was physical. I'll just, I'll share you with you what I had. I had, I've had a hiatal hernia. I worked, uh, a very physical job for many, many years. A, a friend of mine's, uh, he teaches at Emory, he teaches uh, uh, Olympic athletes how to improve their nutrition. And he asked me, how did you get a hiatal hernia? Because generally that's just people that lift heavy things. And I worked, uh, you know, in construction since I was very small, all the way through high school. And I actually, you know, went to college, but then I worked uh, with a, uh, transportation company for a few years and so i was physically doing a lot of work that caused the hiatal hernia 
with the COVID, I coughed so much that my stomach popped up over my diaphragm and pressed up against my heart, throwing me into AFib. And so it was lit. I literally had that issue that had to be physically fixed. And so it was a, a pretty major surgery, but it, uh, I feel that they uh, were not, you know, I asked them and I have a video of I, I said, you are welcome to, you know, take care of this before the surgery. And, and they have been there and they've been very supportive. And I think the healing, you know, the, I heal so quickly and completely from it. I think that is a, a large part of uh, the benefit that I received from them. But um, beyond that, it was, you know, it was something that had to be, I was in trouble. I was, you know. I yeah, I know. I was very worried about you. Yeah, but I'm so, I just feel perfectly well, Whitley. I, so grateful and, and happy to, to be yeah. here today. So good medical uh, support mm -hmm. and good spiritual support. Yes. Exactly. I only know of a very few key cases where people have been cured. And everyone wants, oh, I need a cure. I've got cancer. Well, you know, what you have and what we all have and what I was told by the visitors a long time ago, what we have is our fates and our fate is apparently sort of part of us uh, like uh, the color of your skin or the 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 composition of your blood and that's your fate is the same way and no one can can change your fate uh, but when something is not part of your fate then maybe it can be changed. And that's why, maybe why there are so few cures. I knew one spectacular cure, a fellow named Morton Downey Jr., who was a shock jock and a very acerbic shock jock in Chicago. And I went on his show and my publicist was saying, oh, he's gonna, it's gonna be terrible, but like, you know, it, he's a real vicious guy. And I had this wonderful experience with him. He was just as sweet as could be. Oh, that's great. And I thought, well, this isn't what, what I was expecting. And I said to him I, afterwards, I said, I have to ask you, um, you know, my public, we all thought you were going to do your usual thing with me, and you didn't. And he said, well, I didn't, and I'll tell you why. I was driving back to Chicago one night, and he had, he had very nice teeth, and I knew him. And suddenly a fog came over the road and I had to stop. The next thing I knew, there were these shadows outside. And I couldn't get out of the car. And I don't remember much after that. I felt the feeling of being carried somewhere. And when I was put, when I could move again and the fog lifted, I went home and I went out to brush my teeth. Whitley, I used to look like some kind of a sea monster. I had the worst teeth in the world. They were just awful. And I had these beautiful teeth that I have today. They changed my teeth. They it's fixed my amazing. teeth. Wow. And, uh, you know, that's a cure. But this is all so asymmetrical. And why did it happen to him? Did okay. it happen to him so that he would later give me a good shot on his show which was then very big instead of attacking me the same way johnny carson and his wife sat on the deck of their beautiful house on overlooking the ocean in malibu uh sometime before my appearance there and saw a beautiful silver ufo circling the house at 
a low altitude. And then he has me on the show and the publicists are saying, well, he's going to eat you alive. But, you know, it's the, it's the Tonight Show. You can't say no. And so I went on the show and he came into the green room beforehand and told me this story. And uh, I thought to myself, this isn't going to be bad. And it was absolutely wonderful. How wonderful. I they had seen. set it up. They were setting these things up. Yeah. But, you know, they're very practical. They're not going to cure anybody without a need to do so. They're not going to interrupt someone's fate, in other words. No. Well, I, I will, if I can bring Jimmy Carter back into this. Yeah, please do. Um, I played um, during the uh, during the service at uh, the church down in Plains. I brought my mom with me. And, and afterwards, they always take pictures with everyone. And we just had a lovely time. He said some wonderful things to my mom. It's in the book. And uh, literally a month later, she was diagnosed with stage four breast cancer. And the doctor said, get your, uh, get everything in order because you have maybe three months left to live. And I wrote a letter to President Carter about my mom. And he wrote a letter back to her saying, we are all, I and all of our congregation, congregation are, are going to pray for you. And she went into full remission for almost three years after that. So I know prayer works. And that's that's another thing, Whitley. I think there's there's uh, really no dichotomy between the sacred and secular and our star family. To me, it's all one. It's it's all enveloped in this thing that we we call life, and it's something that uh, I embrace all of it. Is is I guess what I'm saying. We're going to take another short break. I'm talking to John Martin, his new book. The universe loves you. We'll be right back. Them, Mitch Horowitz calls it in the preface, among the most important interpretations of visitor phenomena since Jacques Vallée's passport to Magonia in 1969. Dr. Vallée says in his foreword, the book cites fact after fact to build the case for in-depth realignment of public policy and public need. Diana Walsh Pasulka, author of American Cosmic says, leads the way and it's best that we listen because the stakes have never been higher. Earth Tech International President Hal Putoff says, them is exceedingly valuable. Leslie Kane, author of UFOs, generals, pilots, and government officials go on the record, says groundbreaking in the truest sense of the word. Bigelow Aerospace VP Colm Kelleher says searing and masterful. Them. Available as an audiobook on audible.com, Apple Books, and Amazon. Available as a hardcover and paperback everywhere. Available as a Kindle on Amazon.com. And you can go to UnknownCountry.com and order all of my books. Where are we going? Where have we come from? What secrets have been buried? What secrets have been lost? What is the truth about the close encounter experience you have never heard? 
any of this before. Them. This is a brief excerpt from an interview with two contactees who had an 11-day close encounter experience and are now willing to speak about it, really, for the first time. To hear their whole interview and many others, subscribe to unknowncountry.com. Here's the excerpt. Did you see the man's face? Yes. Uh, actually, that one is very clear to me. It was kind of longish, and uh, he didn't look... He didn't look completely human, but he, because he had very, very thin hair, almost non-existent, but he was young, I believe that it was kind of blonde, and he was very tall, like six, at least six feet, and he was so thin that he looked kind of strange. And what happened then? Well, he wanted me to to go with him or to stay with him. He wanted me to stay with him on the ship. And I'd been married for six months, and I wasn't about to go running off to stay on the ship. Now, surely you want more. You must want more. And there is more, not only this contactee interview, but many others, many of them just as extraordinary on unknowncountry.com, plus everything else that we offer, my audiobooks, the meditations, the talks on the key, William Henry's wonderful revelation show and its entire run, Ann Streber's brilliant and magical mysterious powers, and so much more. Hours and hours of listening pleasure. Learn from the meditations on the site. Really learn because they're real and they're valuable. Subscribe to unknowncountry.com right now. Go to unknowncountry.com. Click on the subscribe tab. We are running very low on new subscribers now, and that should not be. It should not be happening. So you do it. You go there and you do it today. We're talking to John Martin. You can reach him most easily on the internet, on his YouTube channel. He also often shows up on Wednesday nights on our subscriber chat. We have a lovely chat every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock uh, Pacific time. We've been doing it, oh, my near, nearly 20 years now, every night, every Wednesday night. And John has been a member for the past uh, few years, and we just have a lovely chat, frankly. It's And so if you are a subscriber and you want to spend a nice hour with some nice people who are many of whom have incredibly fascinating stories in their lives, come to the chat on Wednesday nights. Just log in and go to the chat room and you'll also be able to meet John there. And um, so, and me, I'm often there. I'm usually I could, there. In fact. I could not recommend it more. It is such a great resource, Whitley. And I, it is such a pleasure to, to be able to speak with you each week and, and all the other lovely uh, subscribers there. And I hope it just becomes a, you know, just blossoms into this really massive thing that which it deserves to be. Well, now, wait a minute. This is never going to be massive.
this website is curated by the visitors in very, very subtle ways. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's had trolls on it before, but they disappear uh, sometimes on their own. And sometimes they just wander away. One or two have been, did things like try to get into the back end of the site to harm it, and we banned them. But uh, it's mostly... It's mostly close encounter witnesses. And the thing that's strange about close encounter witnesses is this. We used to have the Dreamland Festival and in, uh, in, uh, in Memphis at the Scarrett Bennett Center. I've always thought about doing it again sometime. Uh, I may. In any case, uh, we would have the Dreamland Festival and about 200 people would really, would generally show up and, you know, the first after the first festival, Anne said, you know, they're all so gentle. And I realized, and it was always true. I mean, they were just all such a such a they wanted to be together. And there was, and it's like whenever you're with a group of close encounter witnesses, nobody wants to say goodbye. We always want to be together. And um, they've selected the people very carefully. The, you know, they don't. They, they selected gentle people. And I thought to myself, and yet they selected me. <laughs> but, uh, oh, funny. Uh, but yeah, I'm a very moderate guy. I haven't, I'm not a, I'm not temperamental and I don't have real strong beliefs about anything. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm sort of a very much of a live and let live kind of guy, as I know you are too. And most of us are. The, so the witnesses, when you get them together in a group, it's a, usually a very pleasant time, and um, and I can't uh, I can't uh, argue with them because after all, they are fragile little entities. They would want to select people who were not going to be too violent under the circumstances of meeting them, especially for the first time. Well, I think that's kind of the vision of my book though is let's just imagine that number of people multiplied by you know a million or more yeah. you know and then as you said that you know the the size of the universe is so massive then you bring all of that in and then all of that good energy just takes all of humanity all of uh you know the challenges that we have and you know the resolutions that could be made the you know, the, where the earth can be, you know, a generation from now, if we all do, do our part. And that's another part of why I chose to uh, write this book is, you know, we can't expect other people to do it. We need to do it ourselves. We need to make that effort, you know, the, instead of watching television for an hour at night, I go out for an hour. It's not a big commitment in my book. You know, I mean, I've spent tens of thousands of hours learning my instrument. So I'm used to committing to, to something of, uh, of value and importance. And, and this is worthy of that from everyone. That's and, commitment is very important to this. If you're committed, like we do the sensing exercise at one o'clock uh, Pacific time every afternoon with a group of people. And many of those people are like me. They've been doing it for years and they do it every single day and uh, more, more than once a day. And this is, 
this is the kind of commitment that's needed. It doesn't have to be that. I mean, you know, you could do, John doesn't do it. He's not in the group, uh, but he's committed. Nevertheless, he, every night he's out there trying his best. That commitment is so important. You have to be committed to this to do it, to, to get their attention. And, and they won't make it necessarily easy. They won't, they won't necessarily show up right away. And people will, you know, try one or two nights and then, oh, nothing happened. Well, I'll forget about it and go back to the TV. You know, we have to realize we're in a consumer society. We expect immediate gratification. That's not how this works. You have to be committed before you get the results. And uh, just realize, too, that you've put something in place and there's, you put, there's an action that's being made and that's recognized in the universe. And so, you know, you may not see a result immediately. And there are times when I go out and I don't see anything, of course, but, but you know, I have my dog with me or uh, it's just a beautiful evening and I enjoy the, you know, the nice cool breeze and the beautiful sky. And uh, more often than not, I do have uh, many interactions. Um, but when it doesn't happen, you know, that's totally fine. That is absolutely fine. And just understand it's a process and, and consider it, you know, just something that that is worth all of the effort that you put into it. And it comes back many times, many, many times over. And that's that's what I've found so far. They are not separated from nature in the way that we are. We, we uh, <clears throat> are outside of nature looking in. And one of the things that I've noticed in your work is that you will do like images of cloud formations and things that people would think, oh, that's just natural. That's uh, uh, paradoidal. He's seeing things that aren't really there. Can you tell us why you do these cloud formations and stuff like that? I, Whitley, I call them aeroglyphs. And <clears throat> so when I go back to when the uh, purple craft came, uh, I kept playing my guitar, and after that, four craft came right over my courtyard, one red and three yellow and two groups of two in a perfect line. And I went in to get my camera, and unlike the first time, they were gone when I came back out. And that's okay. And so I just kept playing my guitar, and a few days later, a beautiful, incredible cross and crescent-shaped craft came over my home. They were metallic. They were at a 45 degree angle, the size of office buildings, completely silent, going about five miles an hour. And I can't hear you, Whitley. I'm sorry. When was this in terms of dates? This would be 2013, October the 10th, I believe is the date, 2013. At the height of the conflict between Islam and Christianity. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. and here they come with a crescent and a cross. Cross and a crescent. And a, just a few months prior to that, there was a cross and crescent uh, crop circle that was laid out in Wilshire, England. And so they were given a, a strong message. And then when they were coming over and I had I was fumbling with my I had bought a new Canon camera because of, you know, the uh, purple craft that, that I couldn't get on my phone. So. I was fumbling with that. And in my mind, they said, please don't take our picture. We'll give you something you can take a picture of. 
And so I honored that, Whitley. I didn't run around the building and take the, you know, try to get a picture of them as they were exiting. It was just, I was overcome by this incredible uh, gift from the universe. I mean, it was magnificent. And so a few days later, a friend of mine and I were going to go see Gravity, and we agreed to meet. Um, walked out my back door, and I took a left. He lives right, uh, not in my building, but the first house on the other row of townhomes. And I heard, look over here. And when I looked over, there's this beautiful heart-shaped cloud directly over the courtyard, right where the cross and crescent were. And this was on the cover of my book is the heart-shaped cloud. Right. And I, um, I've received many heart-shaped clouds over the years and uh, many other kinds of, of lovely uh, just showings of, of love and affection. And what's, what's very interesting are the hawks that are often around these creations. They, you know, when, when the metallic craft come in, the hawks are there. And on many of the pictures that I've uh, included in my book of the aeroglyphs, the hawks are right there as well. They pick up on that energy, you know, because they're soaring all the time. And they see the metallic craft. They see the energies. They see me because they're, they're, there's a roost right behind me at the park up in the pine trees. And so they see me projecting and they see the craft coming in and they recognize that I'm able to see what they see. And so we interact all the time. They're very dear friends of mine. I've got all my hawk feathers here that, uh, that I treasure that, uh, that they, you know, they're just from them being so active around here. And so there's many levels to this, Whitley. There's, you know, nature is involved, uh, higher energies, you know, that, it's, it's really a truly magnificent experience. And, you know, that that's just my own personal story. I think they will uh, curate for each person individually. You know, everybody's story is completely unique, just like a, a fingerprint. Our lives are incredibly uh, unique in every way. And that's what you share with the universe. Share who you are. Share what's important to you and know that you have that right to share and and experience something beyond this realm and when you make that realization they meet you very easily and like you said the the cross and the crescent with the heart is you know there should be a coming together of these two major religions in this country that are in this world i mean that uh you know all this fighting and and destruction needs to stop and that was a lovely really incredible message from uh from our star family to have craft in those shapes and there's many cross and crescent shaped uh, uh crop circles and i have a number of them in my book so i try you know i'm trying to bring all the disparate elements together to try to make a narrative out of it uh within the book itself and, and that's you know that was really the the main thrust is, you know, just have a through line through the entire book of, uh, you know, how it connects to all of us. Because, you know, my story is not that important. It's the story. It's the fact that we all can do it and we can all bring our own really great positive energies to this very important mission for mankind. In the book, you have a thought experiment. 
And I think it's quite important that people understand exactly what you did and do. So could you describe it for us perhaps a little bit? Mm -hmm. uh, the thought experiment was um, if I could take my music, something that I care very much about and share it with the universe. And it, with that, would I get some kind of reaction? Because at that point, I'd, it was just literally a thought experiment. If, you know, I wanted to see if perhaps if I did that, there would be some kind of uh, reaction from the universe. I didn't know what it would be. And the first one was the little crappy and the bell came. I mean, it was magnificent. And, you know, in the book, oh, John, John yeah. we're having a, a uh, we had a dropout. Okay. Let's, let's see if it comes back. Is it dropping from my end or your end? Well, I you can't know? tell. It's probably in the internet backbone. Um, the, the, the This is every summer. It's like this. It's nothing new. Uh, hmm. the, it, for whatever reason, somewhere along the line, there's a server farm that's overheating. That's uh, what's happening. And, I'm um, surprised by that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, there's <clears throat> nothing we can do about it. I mean, I can, um, if you need to redo anything, that's fine. Well, no, that's, we don't need to redo it, but I just want you to go back and say what you were just, just saying a moment ago, because we couldn't hear it. Okay. So the thought experiment was, um, after I had my dinner with President Carter uh, in Toledo, Spain, where we spoke of UFOs, I took that lovely experience. And then the idea of close encounters of the third kind where, music was used as a communication tool, I put those two ideas together. And I thought, well, if I, if I were to get this music that I've loved my whole life and I were to sit out on my deck, as I've done it for years, but not with this uh, mind frame. And so if I do this and I send it deep into the universe as I'm playing, so it's, they carry together into other realms. And I wondered if there would be any sort of reaction or uh, from the universe. And it was immediate and it was beautiful and it was incredible. And it's been going on to this day. You know, I don't, when I'm at the park, you know, I'm busy filming, so I can't really play, but I play in my mind. Musicians have music in their minds all the time. So when I'm walking my dog or just outside, music is, is continually playing through my mind and that's being sent. And I also speak specifically to them. That's that's one thing I, I don't think people do as much as, as they should. Is No, they sit and wait. Passive. Right. You can't be passive and do this. You have to be proactive. I, every time I'm outside, I, I talk to our star family. You know, I thank them for being here last night. I, I, I'm trying different ideas, Whitley. I, I bought a drone, so I, I took the so that I could be uh, legally able to take this. It's a little hand-sized drone, and I put it up uh, about 300 feet up by a star. So a couple nights ago, uh, it was, um, well, normally it's Deneb, but uh, it was Vega a couple nights ago. And they will come between the rotors of the drone right behind it. And I've got videos of them, too, 
you know, coming right between the blades of these tiny, this tiny drone at 300 feet in the air. And, you know, so and I think they must think it's quaint that I'm trying something like that. But uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're very, you know, interactive and, you know, they'll stage themselves. Uh, they, they put on these incredible demonstrations. You know, there's many different kinds of craft that come from uh, the really bright uh, plasma type craft to there's a winged craft that comes that's really fast, he, hundreds and hundreds of miles an hour. And he will come, the first time he came, uh, it, the video I sent to you, Whitley, I said, I'm just filming randomly, but it's never random as a dear friend. And it popped right into the frame, stopped, took a right, and did all of these incredible aerobatics. Uh, and it was just amazing. It's come back many times. They come in formations. They, uh, there was a chevron of like 30 of them. I, what I do is I set up, um, at this point, I had a, a Sony A7S III. I'll show you my equipment in a little bit. I've got it here. But I put it on a uh, tripod, and I just set it up, and I'll have a constellation of intention for the night, and it was Cassiopeia. And this incredible um, chevron of like 30 craft flew right through the constellation. And then they came back the next night. There was about 15 of them. And they came in and then they made a human shape, Whitley. Yeah, it's in the video I sent to you. And then it went back to the chevron and it was gone. So, uh, you know, intelligent control, absolutely. And, you know, interactions, you bet. And, we all can do it. That's that's the main thrust of what I want to share with your viewers is every one of us have has this ability to go out and interact with something that is so positive and beautiful. There's a, a man in um, in San Antonio, John Keaton, Ryan Keaton, rather, who is uh, uh, has been on Dreamland with uh, his friend, John Bro Wilkie. And Ryan goes out at night and uh, does live UFO spotting on his uh facebook page very cool yeah and very few people show up they don't seem to care and this gets me to the situation and i'm i'm going to broaden this out dramatically now because it's about time to do this but before we do that free dreamlanders here's a another break for you to enjoy you've been listening to dreamland be sure to tune in again next week. Dreamland is brought to you by UnknownCountry.com and its family of subscribers. Our theme music is The O of Pleasure by Ray Lynch. Unknown Country was founded by Ann Streber. Our news editor is Matthew Frizzell. Our coordinator is Amy Safrankova. Whitley Streber is your Dreamland host. And I'm your announcer, Ted Alexander.